What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dimini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, Ferocious Friendships... Sometimes the scary, tough, and slimy animals in the world just need a friend. From a friendly little shop of horrors to the toughest animals in the world frolicking together, we find friendship and cooperation in the unlikeliest of places. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can you call yourself a friend if you don't appreciate your friend's poop? Joining me today is friend to all animals and host of Just the Zoo of Us, as well as Spellbound and Gag, <laughs> Ellen Weatherford. Welcome! Hi, Katie. I'm so happy to be talking to you again. It's so exciting. I love to talk to you. I've been on your podcast, Just the Zoo of Us. We've chatted about mm-hmm. animals. You've been on my podcast. There's a lot of just sort of mixing, mix and match, <laughs> pick and mix podcasts in uh, here. We have our own ferocious animal friendship. There you go. Yeah, we both. You and I have a symbiotic relationship. It's mutualism. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I am so excited. I think you're going to love the animal friendships I've picked out. And you also have one as a surprise for me, which I'm so excited about. I'm not usually the one who gets to be surprised on this podcast. So I'm very excited. Oh, you won't be the only one being surprised because this one involves uh, quite a, a surprising behavior to the one that is the recipient of it. So it's a uh, it's very exciting. It's a surprise tool that'll help us later. <laughs> surprise friendship. Well, this is very exciting. Um, Ellen, do you like bats? I love bats. Yes, so much. I saw some in real life. Uh, recently, I was driving into my neighborhood. And I just so happened to look up at the right exact right moment to see a whole, what do you call a group of bats? Is it a swarm of bats? Hmm. A flock of bats? I think it's a swarm. I Whatever it was, I saw a bunch of them flying over my car. And it was beautiful, joyful oh. experience. That's so wonderful. Bats. I love bats too. Um, I mean, according to the internet, it's called a cauldron of bats i don't think any i don't think anyone uses that (laughs) a lot of these things of like technically it's a flounce of peacocks or whatever you know it's like nobody actually uses that i think i learned uh, that recently yeah these like they're called terms of venery yeah uh i learned recently that a lot of them most of them were made up by old British hunters sure. that wanted mm. to flex their hunting vocab to oh, each yeah. other. Oh, so yeah. So they wanted to like, well, actually each other, basically. Mm-hmm. 
and be very like gatekeepy about like animal knowledge sense. so they can be like oh did you know it's actually called a cauldron of pants <laughs> So, they're like uh, the they're like the crypto bros of <laughs> of like the 1800s. So yeah, I'm, it was all just like yeah. that weird hunting culture weird yeah. stuff. I mean, I think that like a a sedentary group of bats in the cave would be a colony, but I think if oh, they're But I think if they're flying, I think you can call them a swarm. You could probably even call them a flock. I don't think anyone's going to arrest you for doing that. You get what I mean. A bunch of them. <laughs> a bunch of them. A party. A bat party. Yes. Um, so I want to talk about the woolly bats and pitcher plants. And they form this beautiful friendship. Uh, it is your typical meat cute. Bat meets carnivorous plant. Carnivorous plant and bat realize they share a lot in common. And next thing you know, the bat moves in with the carnivorous plant. Uh, so, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the woolly bats. Are they as cute as they sound? Yes. Yes, very much. Uh, <laughs> even cuter. What, however even cute you're thinking, cuter. they're cuter than that. Very cute. Uh, they are found in East and Southeast Asia, and they're just little fluffy, puffy guys. They weigh around a third of an ounce or less than 10 grams and are basically uh, this kind of grayish brown flying little cotton balls with a pink little face and a couple pointy ears. And they're this, the little cutiest ones ever. The proportions are so off. Mm. Like the little face is so teeny tiny. Little bitty face. And the head is so big and poofy. And yeah. the ears are also huge. Yeah. So like everything looks ridiculous. Bitty it's face. a Pixar animal. It's Pixar. It's a little tiny bitty face. It is flying cotton ball. A uh, little powder puff. Marshmallow Man. Darn little thing. Very cute. So like who wouldn't fall in love? Um, and indeed, carnivorous pitcher plants, if they were capable of love, I'm sure would love <laughs> these little guys, not just because they are adorable and fluffy, but also for their excrement. So you have to truly love all of your partner. <laughs> right. Exactly. Even their poops. <laughs> so in Hemsleyana is a tropical pitcher plant. Uh, which is a long green vase-like plant, or if you prefer, kind of like a very tall and skinny urinal. And <laughs> it is filled with digestive juices that smell kind of sweet, this attractive smell to insects like flies. Uh, but if the flies get in there and they slip down these slippery sides of the pitcher plant, they will fall into this pool of digestive juices. They will melt and the plant will absorb the nutrients of the liquefied insect. So, you know, kind of like, you know, Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors, but fewer teeth, more digestive juices. <laughs> also, I think of the piranha plant from um, yeah. Super Mario games. Yeah, exactly. Although those are more like Venus flytrappy, but. Yeah. Again, they don't concept. really have, these ones don't really have teeth. Like the Venus flytrap has those bristles. They just are like a big open mouth mm -hmm. and, a, and a, a, like a jar of juice that you fall into and you dissolve, which isn't great. They're like a sarlacc, I suppose. Mm -hmm. A bit of a sarlacc situation. <laughs> I think they're prettier than a sarlacc, to be much, honest. Much prettier. So what is this cute, adorable little bat doing in such a dangerous place as this plant sarlacc pit? Well, it is using it as a cozy little bed and also toilet. Uh, it, it's a great situation for these bats. So the woolly bat will roost in the pitcher plant and just hang out there. It'll sleep there, uh, hide from predators there. You can't really, like once they fit in there, you can't really see the bat and they'll poop. Uh, right where they sleep and it doesn't bother them uh, because their poop falls down into the plant's digestive juices. So it's like a, I mean, you know, it is the dream to be able to be in bed and not have to get up and go to the bathroom at night. Have you ever used a bedpan before? I haven't. I can't imagine it's a great experience. I have had to use them uh, after childbirth mm -hmm. and it's, it's not a great experience. No. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but that is, I'm sure, because humans are not used to doing that, and it is a strange experience, you know? But if you're an animal who has, like, done that their whole life, it's nothing to you. Right, exactly. I mean, and it's also, like, we when we sleep, we sleep 
sort of horizontal, right? And so yeah. we don't really have gravity helping us out there to like get the things away from us as they're coming out of us. And your body is fighting it. Your body's yeah. like, no, this yeah, is not it. This is wrong. I don't <laughs> like this. Yeah. But with these bats, first of all, they don't have that sense of like, I shouldn't be doing this. They know they should and they're happy enough to do it. Also, they're vertical. So they fit into the pitcher plant like it's this vertically hanging sleeping bag. And the pitcher plant loves these bats so much. They have actually <laughs> co-evolved with these bats to be the perfect shape for this bat to hang in. So the bat doesn't even need to grip onto the side of the pitcher plant. It just fits right in. It fits it's like a, a glove. It's a little sleeve. It's a little sleeve. And it's so <laughs> bespoke for this bat the bat won't fall into the digestive juices. So like the pitcher plant kind of curves in such a way that it narrows a little bit. So the bat fits in just like boop, you know, and then uh, does not slip down into the messy bit, the like toilet bowl of it, uh, and just kind of like fits into that snug slot. And then when they got a poop, they just poop, the poop falls down into the bowels of this pitcher plant. And it's no problem for the bat. And it's just like, like the perfect. great. It's the perfect situation. So have you read um the Legend of Amigara Fault? Yes. This is my hole. It was made for me. It was. You just yeah. slot right in. It would I'm be. Sure that was the inspiration. Yeah. No, it's that that comic where that guy there. There's that cliffside with all the people shaped holes, and then people are inexplicably drawn to it, uh, and try to go in their holes and it's quite horrifying it's fun i, I think it's, it's a actually, body horror thing. i think it's hilarious <laughs> personally but uh yeah it, it's one of those sort of unnerving um jinji ito uh yeah. comics but yeah this one is a lot friendlier of a version of that <laughs> because the little bat goes in and it's just a little sleeping bag for these guys and it's so cute you just peek inside one of these pitcher plants and you see a little cotton ball going like what are you doing oh. and, it, and it poops like get out a little warm hug i'm pooping here and sleeping <laughs> and the plant is so happy about it the plant is like this is great the plant if the plant could feel emotions it would be quite happy so the plant uh this particular pitcher plant um now pitcher plants in general and like carnivorous plants they often live in areas where the soil isn't nutrient rich enough to sustain them so they actually depend on uh, insects uh, and the draw the insects to them. The insects fall into this trap and then dissolve. But that can be tricky. You know, insects will develop strategies to avoid them. They can be quick. They can uh, not, you know, fall for it so easily. And so for these pitcher plants, they have actually come to develop this relationship with these bats where the bat poopies nourishes the pitcher plant. So while the pitcher plant may still feed on insects on occasion, the, these bat poops, uh, by like becoming the toilet for the bat, the bat is fertilizing the plant. And they have, it's just this, you know, uh, I'll scratch your back and I'll poop in your toilet sort of situation. <laughs> I, I'm sure that plant is just extremely thankful that it doesn't have taste receptors. Yeah. I mean, this plant is probably thankful it's not conscious, like, <laughs> to experience this. Uh, but, yeah, I remember, like, when I watched Little Shop of Horrors, like, the first time I watched it, I really wanted the, uh, you know, the little sort of nebbish character and the plant to be friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I was kind of <laughs> sad that it turned out to be an antagonistic relationship because it's like, yeah, you know, if he if he eats, like, mean dentists what's wrong with that there is always like carnivorous plants are always the enemy right they're always the bad guy or the obstacle or something there's never like good guy carnivorous plants i would say in the um there's that uh show harley quinn um oh. and yeah and i actually I, I do like that show i helped out the um it is a nice show one of the sound designers for the show jefferson friedman uh, reached out to me and, and I helped him find some bat sounds. So, oh, that's uh, so cool! Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. It's like I think Nightwing's like emo sad boy mm -hmm. theme song, and we <laughs> we found some like really like silly sounding bats. Um, but yeah, there's the in that show there's the uh, carnivorous plant that I think is Poison Ivy's friend, and he's cool. Mm. 
Yeah, you love to see it. I think in Encanto, also during Isabella's oh, yeah. song, there she's like um, conjuring like sundew. Yeah, sundew. Yeah. Yeah, which is like a pretty carnivorous, beautiful, plant. yeah. But she does make a mention of them, like they're they're carnivorous. Yeah, they're not going to eat they're... humans, though. No, you're fine. <laughs> but I, it was cool to see them, though. Sundew don't get a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're beautiful. They 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 have the like sparkling sort of globules on them that are yeah. quite quite pretty. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it is just uh, I just love this. I love that uh, this pitcher plant and this bat have just come to such a nice living arrangement. Also, the uh, in addition to sheltering the bat, giving it a comfortable little sleeping bag to stay in, uh, uh, the waxy sides of the plant are very slippery. Like I mentioned, insects will just slide right down them. And it's inhospitable to insects and egg-laying insects. So actually, the bat is also protected from parasites. So wow. like, you know, it's just in this like really nice, healthy kind of spa environment where it can also poop. And the, oh, it's just, it's, you know, it's great. I don't think I've ever been as comfortable anywhere as this bat is no. inside of this pitcher plant. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for them and I want that for me. I do. We should all aspire to live <laughs> in a... <laughs> Vertical, like vertical plant sleeping bags where we can freely poop. Yeah, I think that is the, the future. It's the future. <laughs> hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So... I, I've occasionally talked about gorillas and chimpanzees on this show, and they are, they're very complicated animals, and I love them, but they're not as, you know, they're not cartoon characters, you know, they're not as, like, funny and goofy as sometimes they're portrayed in popular media, although I think nowadays there's more recognition, especially with, like, the movie Nope, of how scary chimpanzees can be. Um, For sure. And I think, I mean, it's funny because like gorillas are pretty universally seen as like, oh, they're big, they're aggressive and scary. But I think on average, gorillas are less aggressive than chimpanzees. Of course, gorillas are bigger. They are more physically capable of tearing you apart. But chimpanzees are quite good at that as well. They're rowdy. The chimps rowdy. are rowdy. Yeah. yeah. The gorillas, like, I imagine them kind of, like, sitting serenely in, like, a like a grassy valley, <laughs> like, grooming each other, you know? Like, yeah. I imagine more serenity when I think of gorillas, but chimpanzees are a little, uh, they're, they're a little more feisty. <laughs> Angsty. Yeah. Gorillas are, so, yeah, they, they are typically more chill. They can fight, like sometimes like if two silver silverbacks, which are the dominant males, uh, are in direct competition, they can have quite serious fights. Um, and then there are very rare cases in which they kind of like unexpectedly will just turn on an individual and beat them up. It, it, it's not really clear why they're doing that. We don't really speak gorilla. There's probably some beef they have, but we don't, we don't know what the beef is. Um, mm. And so chimpanzees are typically a little bit more more frequently aggressive uh and and sort of pugnacious uh they're not they're not always this way they're sometimes can like get along quite well but they can do things like commit premeditated murder where they like stalk and gang up on an individual that they don't like and like maul them uh, and so more diabolical. Yeah, they can be quite diabolical. They they can also be very loving. You know, they are complex creatures. They have like, you know, a wide capacity for different behaviors. So 
the the fact that both of these species can be quite fearsome means it, it sounds like if these two met in the wild, it would be a recipe for disaster. But in fact, what you see is that they can form friendships, which is really, really strange and really wonderful. So in the uh, Congolese rainforest at the Nibali Nyonki National Park, researchers have been observing the interactions between the chimps and gorillas in this area and have found that they seem to form these cordial friendships. So they will play together. They will eat together. Uh, when chimps spot some food, like a bunch of ripe figs, they'll like hoot and holler in excitement, which alerts the gorillas who show up. And then they all kind of feed together and forage together. And the really, really interesting thing is it appears that these interactions aren't just like tolerance where it's like, okay, we won't fight. You know, we'll just tolerate each other. They seem like actual friendships because the gorillas and the chimps will pick out individuals of the other species that they know and prefer to spend time with them. So they will form a friend like, hey, I'm a chimp. And then, hey, I know that gorilla. That's Nancy. And then we like hang out. (laughs) And I'm like, it's Nancy again. I like Nancy. And then uh, they will actually specifically gravitate towards the individuals they know and form like decades long friendships with them. I feel as a human... I'm feeling such a sense of missing out on these interprimate like species friendships because now I feel like the gorillas and the chimpanzees are hanging out without us. Right. And now I'm like, we weren't invited. No. We don't have like, I don't have a gorilla friend. I don't have a chimpanzee friend. Why are they all hanging out and we don't get to be part of it? Like, I feel <laughs> kind of a sense of like, there was a party I didn't get invited to. I mean, a little bit. To be fair, humanity did kind of fart in the elevator. And by elevator, <laughs> I mean the planet. And by farting, I mean uh, everything. Industrialized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they probably have a reasonable distrust of, of humans based right. on the fact that we will hunt them. Uh, so I, I, I get it. I, I also have that FOMO, though. Like, what are they saying about us? I feel like uh, Squidward longingly looking out the window as Patrick and SpongeBob are playing outside. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but also, like when you, I think about like how uh, like interspecies friendships with humans. I think of like we have like pets, right? Yeah. Like you have, you might like dogs, but you like your dog more than other dogs, exactly. right? So you're like, this is my dog. I like this one. I'm gonna hang yeah. out with this one. So I, I, it, I bet it feels. Similar to that. I have a deeply flawed dog, and so I can recognize that there are better behaved dogs, and yet I've still <laughs> somehow been suckered into loving her above all other dogs. I'm I'm so glad I could <laughs> that you also have this experience of having a deeply problematic dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's got I mean, she's got issues. I understand her. Um, she's mm-hmm. not always the most polite to other dogs. And I feel you know, like I we've worked on this for many years and trained her to a reasonable level of being at least somewhat, you know, presentable. Uh and yet she she's still she's still a little bit of a little bit catty, a little bit judgy, <laughs> a little bit catty. Uh and yet I still love her. Uh, and I feel that right. It's like it's like I love this little dog, uh, and yet she also will sometimes bark directly into my ear, just like really <laughs> suddenly, and seem to delight in in the in the grievance it causes me. Do you think that gorillas and chimpanzees both think that the other is their pet? That would be funny. It's like a because <laughs> I, I almost wonder. It's like it's a bit of a. Mickey Mouse and Pluto situation, right? Because, like, wait a minute, you're both animals. What are you doing? <laughs> well, and then you throw Goofy into the mix, right? And you're like, why is this one your friend and the other one's your pet? What's going right, on? Exactly. Here? <laughs> yeah. No. 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 This, this doesn't. This isn't right. This doesn't make sense. But yeah, that that would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, maybe, maybe they. It's like there's sort of a mutual pet situation going on here. You know what I mean? Like when a cat and a dog hang out, and like. They probably both sort of consider the other to be their companion pet. And True, yet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you know, typically uh, something that we talk about a lot on, on our podcast is, like, don't keep 
wildlife as nope. pets. Yep, that's um, yes. especially primates. Yeah, they will tear your happen. face off. <laughs> and this happens so often with chimpanzees. People mm-hmm. get a chimpanzee, and then you know later, uh, inevitably, the thing tries to kill them later in life, um, and often succeeds in doing so. But I was going to say, like, if you're going to have a pet chimpanzee, you have to be a gorilla. Right. Exactly. That's the only way to have a pet chimpanzee is to be a gorilla. You have to be bigger than them. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like, first of all, you're both living in the same environment, so you don't actually have to take them away from their natural environment. Uh, and yeah, you are literally a gorilla, so you can, right. you can, take, you can take that. Yeah, I mean, with, so that is like the only exception to the no chimpanzees as right. pets rule. If you happen to be a gorilla, yes, right. you can have one. I mean, it's funny because people will see a baby chimpanzee and it's like, ah, oh, adorable, and they often are, and they do actually bond with humans because they're highly social animals. So when you deprive them of their natural social group, they will form bonds with the humans around them. But then they hit adolescence, and then they hit adulthood, and it's a human going through adolescence and like a teenager might like cuss at you and roll their eyes at you, but a chimpanzee is going to like tear your Break eyes your out yeah. <laughs> of your face. Yeah. <laughs> we'll murder you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, teenagers versus like a teenage chimpanzee, um, teenagers less dangerous, I would say. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, for sure. Emotionally, though, they know they can they definitely know how to kill shot you emotionally. Teenagers, they, they are <laughs> really good at that. Like <laughs> calling you out on like, wow, you're still parting your hair that way. It's like, I didn't even think of that. I wasn't insecure about that. until You said so. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? Thanks I feel for the like, new insecurity. <laughs> I feel like teenage. I don't know. Like, I feel like teenagers of our like the Zoomer teenagers are very nice kids. I don't know. So I work at a youth center, mm-hmm. or, like with teenagers, um, like around teenagers. I don't do client facing work, but um, the teenagers that, you know, I see at work are incredible. They're amazing. They were nice. They're nicer than loving. I feel like we were when we were teenagers. They're so much nicer. You guys They're are doing so a great much job. Nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teenager, the ones that I've worked with, of course. I yeah. Can, you know, you never generalize to all people, but um, the t- the teenagers I have worked with personally are incredible, wonderful yeah, people. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I want to break the cycle of intergenerational complaints of like, ah, teenagers no. these days. It's like, you guys are it's not great. the vibe. You're polite. <laughs> I like your style and your music. It's all good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You're, y'all are killing it. Um, uh, not not, not like literally, not like chimpanzees. Yeah, <laughs> which is but which was, is great. I was also thinking about, you know, like as a human, I feel like I'm thinking about times when I've been at a zoo and I've seen other primates. Like great apes, particularly. Like if you look in the eyes and the face of like a mm-hmm. bonobo, especially mm-hmm. our zoo here in Jacksonville has an incredible bonobo habitat, and they're gorgeous. There's a bonobo there who's like 50 years old. Um, she's amazing. And when you really look at them, like you have this sense of recognition with them. Yeah. Where they like they look so similar to you, and you feel the sort of connection to them as you're like, you you're like game recognizes game sort of moment. <laughs> Where you're like, I get you. I get what you're about. So I'm wondering if that's like factoring into the gorillas and the chimpanzees being like cool with each other. Like they yeah. see each other and they're like, all right, ape squad, let's do it. Like, <laughs> all right, we're good. We're good. You know? I mean, like, I, think I wonder if that's. It's interesting because, yeah, I think that like when you have two two groups of like chimpanzees, they kind of know they might be in competition with each other, sexual competition, and that can escalate. Just like when two silverback gorillas meet, it's like we're in competition, we're in sexual competition. But if you have a group of chimpanzees and gorillas, as long as there's enough food around for everyone, they aren't necessarily in competition with each other. Mm. So and then they probably somewhat I mean, their body language is going to be somewhat different, but they probably somewhat recognize it. I mean, you can have two species whose body language ends up sort of matching in some way, like dogs and humans. We get along really well because we can actually recognize our body, each other's body language. In our co-evolution, we've actually come to be become better at recognizing each other's body language. I mean, some people still don't quite understand dog body language. Sometimes it's not exactly intuitive, like especially like when the puppy dog eyes, like when a dog like looks up at you, it's called whale eyes where you can like see the whites of their eyes and they're like looking. Mm. That often means that they're scared or agitated and they're they're about to nip at you uh <laughs> but i read also recent like i read that um i'm sorry i can't recall where i read this but that like over time dogs have actually evolved facial muscles to be yeah. more like more fine-tuned so that they can make 
the same sorts of expressions that humans look for in each other, like eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Like you look at a wolf. Wolves don't have like those expressive eyebrows that yeah. dogs have. But like dogs have like more fine tuned muscles in their eyebrows and yeah. eyes to like make more eye focused facial expressions because that's what humans recognize in each other. Yeah, and, and we probably select for that because we like, oh, you, yeah. you look like you have a good attitude, and we select we <laughs> like those puppies. Uh, and like they also dogs have evolved to like focus on our faces, like the sides of our faces that typically express more, so that they can more sort of accurately assess like what what our expression is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely, definitely these kinds of interspecific, um, or intraspecific, uh, interactions where you have two species who can kind of learn each other's body language and for, yeah, for chimpanzees and gorillas, it seems like they're capable of doing this. And as to why they form these friendships, I mean, it's not like researchers know for a fact, they speculate there could be some benefits in terms of being able to use each other's skills and foraging. But honestly, a lot of it just sounds like it's fulfilling for them, just like how we've formed this relationship with dogs and it is mutually beneficial. Dogs get food. We get the sort of work that a dog can do, like guarding or shepherding. But also we just enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. it's just fun. And I think yeah. we, we can't all, we can't too often underestimate animals' capacity for just doing stuff that's fun. Oh, yeah. Like you see like dolphins, you know, doing flips and stuff for fun. And, you know, all sorts of critters out there that just do stuff for fun, especially primates. So, you know, you can't science away everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they're just (laughs) let them have some joy. They're just frolicking together, holding hands, going, what you thinking about? It's so cute. (laughs) It's precious. What you thinking about? Oh, just gorilla stuff. Oh, my gosh. You know what I just thought about? Because of how they both have, you know, hands with long fingers and opposable thumbs, they could totally hold hands. They could totally hold hands. Yeah. They could lock fingers the whole mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. They could they could hold hands. Just a big a big friendship handhold. I love you know, it's too bad like I feel like friends don't hold hands as much anymore. Or maybe they never <laughs> Speak did. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> more hand holding, more platonic hand holding. I read that um in uh, more like Middle Eastern, like Arabic cultures, holding hands is like a platonic. Like if you're walking down the street having a conversation with somebody, yeah. especially down like a, a busy, crowded street, you would hold their hand just to like avoid Aww. being like, you know, uh, I suppose like shoved away from each other or something. Right, right. That's a more common thing. I think that's a Western thing to like yeah. reserve hand holding for romance. Yeah. I mean, as kids, we used to hold hands too. Like that, that was a thing. Maybe more, I mean, also, I think there's some bit of, like, uh, weird masculinity stuff about it where it's like, ah, you know, adults slash men can't hold hands, boys can't hold hands because it's, you know, there's something like, because, I mean, I I think, like, adult women hold hands more platonically, I think, than adult men do. Um, but then we all need to be holding hands. We need to be holding hands with chimps and gorillas. We need to be having yes. our arms ripped off by the chimps and gorillas because we kind of deserve it. To learn but, a lesson. To learn a lesson. But it, it for that brief moment where we were holding hands in harmony, it'll have been worth it. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Ellen, you promised me a surprise, a tentacly surprise, and I'm excited. Yes. Okay. So my little surprise for you is a behavior uh, that is sh- that has been seen in an octopus called the day octopus or the so reef excited. octopus. So yes. Excited. And the uh, scientific name is octopus cyania. 
which is like, how do you get the genus name octopus? Like, how did you, how did you like, that's like when you have like an email address, that's just your name Mm -hmm. with no like numbers or anything like that in it. It's like, how did you get that? (laughs) My Twitter name is just my name, Katie Golden. Amazing. I know. You had to be the first one in there. I'm the octopus (laughs) of Twitter. Yeah. So octopus cyania is, uh, you know, octopuses are predatory, right? So they'll hang out in a coral reef or something like that and kind of hide and wait or chase things down through the nooks and crannies. Octopuses are very uh, gooshy. Yes. <laughs> like a like a they have like a sort of non-Newtonian Formular. fluid. Yeah. Yes. Very, you know, they have they got no bones. Soft, yeah, soft body. So they extremely soft body. So they can squeeze into tiny little spaces. Um, but still, even though they're very good at doing that, being a predator is still a tough job, as mm-hmm. it is literally anywhere. So a lot of times um predators will team up to work together in the hopes that like they can kind of make up for each other's weaknesses at a predator as a predator. So a really famous example here in the USA is these tag teams that will pop up of coyotes and badgers. Yes. And Have we've ever talked, seen the coyotes and badgers. Yes, we've talked about it on the show before. The the yes. teamwork of coyote and badger. Um they find little burrowing mammals like groundhogs and just like one badger digging them up on one end, coyote at the other end, waiting for them to pop out. And it benefits both of them because these poor little like gophers or groundhogs don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> they just right. they're they have to uh, pick one. Right. Out of the frying badger into the frying <laughs> coyote. And it, it's really cute to like there was um trail some trail cam footage of uh them walking together and the coyotes like jumping around, really excited. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then the badger's just trundling along like it's like every like Disney movie duo you've right. ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of friendships where you have like one person who's a little more low energy and then you have like the higher energy and, you know, yeah. like they're friends. <laughs> yes. So exactly like that, this sort of like count, like completion between the, the relationships of the two predators who are have kind of drawn a truce and have agreed to hunt together with the understanding being that maybe, you know, in that hunt, you might get the ground, the, the coyote might get the groundhog in one hunt, but the badger might get the next one. Right. Um, but total so, in total, they're both getting more groundhogs than they would alone. Right. Yes. Because, you know, you rather than leaving one opening for the prey to escape and survive. Now they've closed it off. So guaranteed that one of them is going to get it. Right. So this happens in the ocean too. Uh, The day octopus has been known to team up with predatory fish on the reefs. So groupers are one that they team up with a lot. So um, whatever they're hunting with, basically how it works is the fish that they're hunting with hunts around and above the reef. So the predatory fish, like a grouper, is kind of like patrolling above the reef. And while it's doing that, the octopus is squeezing through the rocks and the coral, um, Mm. like into the nooks and crannies and kind of chasing the prey that's hidden in there. So the prey then has two options. They can try to wiggle through the, the nooks and crannies where the octopus is very, very good at catching them. Or they can try to get out of the reef where the grouper is waiting for them. Um, or whatever type of predatory fish. It's not exclusive to grouper, but whatever large fish is is hunting with the octopus will be hanging out above. So, you know, it's like this, it's exactly like the badger and coyote thing. You know, the yeah. prey is basically flushed out of the reef. Um, so if the prey is scared enough of the fish, they'll stay in the reef where the octopus can get it. So this is the thing about this strategy that like made a bunch of headlines pretty recently. The octopus being extremely intelligent like octopuses have reputations for being like uh, unfathomably smart um they have come up with some strategies to sort of actually exert more control over their hunting partners Hmm. so (laughs) if they feel like if the octopus feels like the fish is starting to take more of its fair share of the prey like maybe the fish keeps getting the prey over and over again the octopus hasn't really gotten very many um i I cannot explain this any better than the researchers did. So this is just a quote directly from the paper. Um, And the paper, by the way, oh, I'm not going to read the paper title yet because it gives it away. (laughs) They say, here we report a series of events dating between the 1st of October 2018, the 1st of November 2018, and the 10th of May 2019, and the 10th of July 2019, where different octopus cyania individuals engage in 
and I'm putting air quotes around this, active displacement of hmm. partner fish during collaborative hunting. To this end, the octopus performs a swift explosive motion with one arm directed at a specific fish partner, which we refer to as punching. Disciplinary yeet. They, <laughs> it, that is science talk for throwing hands. <laughs> like they just immediately go bam and yeah. just like pop the fish. And there's, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and now that I've said that, I can say the paper title, Octopuses Punch Fishes During Collaborative <laughs> Interspecific Hunting Events. Um, and that was by that was by Eduardo Sampaio et al. And that was in Ecology in December 2020. Um, so they do also kind of suggest a few possible motivations because they're like, this octopus is over here just decking fish like yeah. in the face. And it's a very it's got, unusual like, boxing, behavior. Boxing gloves on each one of its tentacles. Yeah, it's like ready to go. You can catch all eight of these hands, basically. <laughs> um, and they're like, it's a weird thing that they're doing because they're not doing it to like kill the fish or right. like eat them. It's not a predatory thing. They're just bopping them. And so they they suggest a few possible motivations. One is just moving the fish over. Like the the fish is getting a little too close to the prey. They're possibly just moving the fish um, so that they can then take the prey that they feel entitled to, right? It's just mm -hmm. shoving them out of the way. Um, it's it's kind of like um, if you are reaching for a cookie on a table and you see somebody else reaching for the same cookie and the you shove spoon. them so that you yeah. can Yeah, gram grandma's wooden spoon, a bap, no, no yeah. cookie for you. <laughs> but, but more so so that you can be the one to get the cookie, ah, not yeah. to keep them away from it altogether. So, so grandma can have one. all the cookies. Yes. Um, and then, uh, but the paper also... Uh, mentioned that a lot of times the octopus would punch the fish and then not take the prey. Hmm. So it seemed to not be about that. The, the, the octopus would just hit the fish and it wasn't about getting the prey. So they suggested two explanations that are derived from game theory, mm -hmm. which is uh, the study of like strategy and situational interaction. So like right. the ways that you can manipulate a situation to gain the best advantage. And this is another quote from the paper, because this is probably one of my favorite scientific papers I've ever read in my life. Uh, so I'm just going to pull another well, quote. Well, you had me place. at octopus punch, punches fish, the paper. Octopuses punch fishes is the most, like, incredible three, first three words of a paper title. Simple and to the point. Uh, love it. I, can't, I love it so much. And so they say, uh, so this is the two, like, explanations that they're offering for the fish punching behavior they say in the first one benefits are disregarded entirely by the octopus and punching could be a case of spite <laughs> they say no emotional connotation used to impose a cost on the fish regardless of self-cost mm -hmm. for example after defection which is stealing prey by a usually collaborative partner mm -hmm. so maybe if they're like hey we have a good thing going we know each other things are going good We've hunted together many times and things are going great. If that fish starts to like take a little more mm -hmm. like and, and take a little bit more of the octopus's prey, they'll punish them. It's yeah. a punishment. It's like, boom, like, here you go. Uh, if you keep taking my prey away from me, it's going to hurt you. So right. like, it's like training. They're like yeah. training them with like a negative reinforcement. It's really, Although, really interesting. As we know, with training dogs and fish, positive reinforcement is the way to go. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's interesting because this reminds me a lot of the uh, cleaner ras um, dynamic. So there are these cleaner ras, which are these little fish that will uh, clean off the parasites from other fish, and other fish will like line up and like it's a fish car wash. Uh, but the fish could attack the cleaner ras right and try to eat them because they're smaller fish, or the cleaner ras could try to eat the mucus coating on the fish. So fish have this protective mucus coating. It makes them kind of slimy. It protects their skin, but it's also protein rich and I guess delicious to these wrasses. So uh, they will punish each other based on who is cheating. So if a fish tries to attack a wrasse, the wrasse will kind of boycott this fish. If one mm. of the wrasse tries to bite a fish that it's cleaning, the fish will boycott that wrasse. Sometimes wrasses will be punished by another wrasse if they catch that wrasse cheating, like trying to eat some mucus. They'll like, like sort of just like uh, nip at the cheating fish, being like, "Hey, that's not how we do business around in these parts." Yeah. So keep them in line a little bit. Yeah, and so I, I think it's for, and these are just like these fish that are 
I mean, they're intelligent, but certainly not as intelligent as an octopus. So I can certainly see an octopus like doing this out of spite, wanting to teach this other fish a lesson of like, hey, right. man, that's not cool. And just punching yeah. them. <laughs> it's their way of like enforcing a social contract they have right. with each other. Right. It's like the octopus understands like I need to communicate with this thing in a way that it will understand. It will understand pain. So I'm going to punch it. Right. Or even so, even just like even if the fish isn't in pain, just sort of the shock of right. being, you know, punched in this way of like, whoa, what was that? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. unpleasant. Yeah, so it, it introduces this like dynamic of manipulation into mm-hmm. the friendship between the octopus because it's not like the octopus like stops hunting with the fish, right? Right. Right. It's just like a little a little hey, get yourself in line, right? Um, they even they had another explanation that they suggested for the behavior that it could also be a flex to keep the misbehaving partner in line. So basically, as a reminder, like hey, I could take you right. down any moment like you were on thin ice pal right it's basically like don't mess with me i'm a big octopus i could definitely you know one shot you if i wanted here's a taste pow mm-hmm. um so it's just gym like a culture little, it is it sounds very like i can't pretend to have ever um been like a dude in a locker room at a gym <laughs> it's not a situation i've ever been in but um, i haven't based either on, Based on movies that I've watched about right. this situation, I Very have to accurate. assume yeah. that there's quite a bit of um, jostling, maybe some good-natured ribbing. You towel know, slap. That... It's like a towel slap. Yeah. It, it, it And it's shaped the same way, right. too. Like, you know, when you twist up the towel and it's got that pointy end on it? Right. It does kind of look like the tentacle. Wow. We're just, we're just going towards octopus, I think, in our evolution, <laughs> which would be nice, I think. Honestly, like they seem to have a lot figured out. So uh, although I do think that if we do continue on the octopus word trend, I hope that we don't also adapt their manipulative friendship strategies (laughs) because they're just like decking fish uh, to get their way, basically, Um, which is like just really fascinating because not only are they uh, cooperating and interacting with other species in like a, a, a... non-confrontational way um but they're also having to communicate with them like displeasure right like i don't want you to do that here's something different i want you to do and like correcting the behavior which i've never heard of any other animal like doing that like correcting another other one the other than what you just told me about the cleaner races right um that they're just like hey like another species because like within the species they like animals will often do that like dogs Mm -hmm. and wolves will nip at each other you know, like there's a lot of sort of like, hey, like animals that are in group dynamics, there's nipping, slapping, you know, sure. kinds of behaviors to like correct other animals that they live with of their own species. But to correct another species is a lot more rare because you don't often animals don't form these relationships with other species and communicate with them. Yeah. And you have to like speak their language, basically, you know, right. you have to like understand what they're going to respond to and what they'll understand so I think it it requires a very high degree of like comprehension on the octopus's part, and also they're just mean, like, <laughs> like they're just so rude. <laughs> I mean, I feel I feel like I somewhat sympathize with this octopus though. The octopus has this grand plan, and then the fish is just messing it up, and it's sort of like a Three Stooges situation. <laughs> so it does get very slapstick very quick. <laughs> I'm not say- I'm saying use your words not your fists but octopuses don't have words so what are they going to do I know even if they tried to say something you would the fish wouldn't be able to hear it underwater right. you ever try to talk underwater it doesn't get across right. so good and their fists are very squishy so it's kind of like a sock and bopper Yeah I can't imagine that it's typical that it's very like injurious to the fish I'm Probably sure it's not. not because because that's not how octopuses fight right like yeah. that's just not the way that they like hunt prey or anything like no, that. They don't got, do that. Yeah, like they could, if they really wanted to hurt this fish, they would grab them and then bite a chunk out of them with their hard, chitinous beak. Uh, but yeah, they don't like do they that. have ways to actually <laughs> hurt the fish. But right. this is very much like a very it's specific a behavior yeah. that is like only for the purpose of, you know, keeping their fish right. friends in line. Right. And I'm not saying you should bap your friends, but. If you're an octopus, I'm not going to judge you for bapping your friends. <laughs> if you're much like you have a free pass to have a chimpanzee pet, if you're a gorilla. If you are literally a gorilla. And I don't mean 
like gorilla like mindset. Kinda, I'm not yeah. talking about gorilla mindset <laughs> where it's a gorilla grind set where it's, you know, you're at the gym 24 seven on steroids. That's not what I'm talking. You have to be the species a gorilla. gorilla gorilla yeah exactly gorilla gorilla <laughs> or if you're a western lowland one i believe that's gorilla 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 oh nice so you could be one of those look any amount of gorillas that you are you get you get to have a chimpanzee as a friend uh ellen that was a delightful story that i had not heard of so i I'm really so appreciate glad. that i i I'm love octopuses <laughs> i'm so happy to hear that they're punching fish and i love that there's a paper published it's like octopuses punch fish it's, it's great it's such a joyful paper too i love because it like you know it is of course you know everything is is phrased the way you're supposed to phrase things in scientific papers but there are just these little moments where like the personality oh, of fun. the paper shines they're, through they're definitely having fun yeah they're having the time of their lives Oops. and like you yeah. just get these little glimmers of joy in these papers which is so like exciting right. for me they have to like try to keep it professional but you know they're just giddy you know they're having like, so much fun they're punching the fish <laughs> <laughs> did y'all see that that's crazy <laughs> can you imagine being the first person to see that and be uh, like are you sure better than the moon landing <laughs> Much that's better. my personal moon landing my personal moon landing yes <laughs> well before we go we gotta play a little game it's called the guess who's squawking the mystery animal sound game uh, each week I play a mystery animal sound and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who is squawking. The rules is it could be any animal in the world. And that's it. And you got to guess it. So <clears throat> last week's mystery animal sound hint was this. It's a fashionista with a great sense for what look is in season. So Ellen, any guesses? What a sound. Um, it sounds like some type of fowl, like a like a gallinaceous bird, perhaps, as I learned very recently is the word. Something related to like a chicken or a turkey. Um I'm thinking maybe a maybe a pheasant of some kind. I'm gonna say a pheasant. That's very interesting. Yeah, it does it sounds like a peacock to me or like a pheasant, but in fact, entirely different animal. This oh boy. is the Arctic fox. So, really? Yes. Foxes sound so funny. They do not, like, whatever sound you think, like, a fox should make, like, it then it that. makes it. And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be coming out of you, little guy. What's going on? So, it sounds like a chicken. It, it does. Like bok, 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 like bok, bok. Yeah, it sounds, yeah. yeah, exactly. But it is indeed the Arctic fox. Uh, the Arctic <sighs> fox is found in the Arctic, uh, and it needs to blend in with the white snow so it can be a effective predator of small mammals like wolves and also avoid predation by larger animals like wolves, bears, even golden eagles. Uh, so Arctic foxes are little guys. They're only around three to seven pounds or 1.5 to three kilogram, you know, kind of like fluffy chihuahuas. Um, and they are not always white. They change their coats with the seasons. In the summer, they're brown with sort of a shorter coat to blend in with the earth and in the winter they grow this white fluffy coat both for the warmth and to camouflage themselves against the white snow and they will listen very carefully for little mammals hidden deep underneath the snow and then once they have pinpointed where they are they'll do that adorable little hop up and then down and just kind of like face plant right into the snow <laughs> to grab their prey from above i think sproing is the scientific Sproing. term yeah sproing that sounds like it. You know, like pronking is, a, is yeah. an actual, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sproing and it's quite cute. Um, but for the for the little voles and for like these animals, it's, it's quite alarming because it's basically this lump of snow suddenly coming alive with teeth and crashing into your roof. <laughs> They're so cute. They are adorable, adorable. All right, on to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint is, am I asking a lot for you to guess this sound? <laughs> you know what it sounds like is a grocery store cash register. Beep. 
That's at the Wild Grocery Store cash register. <laughs> Ellen, do you have any guesses? Based purely on the clue. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even know if this animal makes a sound. But if it did, I bet it would sound like that. I'm going to say... You are absolutely correct, which means Nailed you're going to have to duck quack over your answer. But people will know you were right. We'll leave all this in yes. so you can, <laughs> your victory will be known to the world. I've bleeped out the correct response. Uh, but yes, it is. I mean, I was shocked. I, that was my shot this. at redemption. I got it wrong last time I was here. Oh, well, you that know. That was my Now, my now you got it last. right. This there was like. This one was a tricky one, too, because this is like the first... I, I didn't know that these guys even made sound like like you. No and then I just came across this and it's like, well, all right, okay. You just make a little beep. But now that I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's what they would sound it, like. It makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes so much sense. It does. Um, and everyone, you will find out what that noise is on next episode of Creature Feature. And if you think you know what it is, or if you have a question or you want to send me pictures of your kitty cats or your doggies, not accepting pictures of your pet chimp because you shouldn't have one. It's going to rip your face off unless you're a gorilla. If you're a gorilla, (laughs) like a literal gorilla, and you've somehow mastered the art of email, then yes, you can email me about that. Um, But it has to be a selfie with you in the picture to prove that you're also a gorilla. Exactly. And holding up the day and the time um so a, a a today's news, newspaper right the gorilla daily with the newspaper so i know uh yeah so you can send that to creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com also on twitter at creaturefeetpod that's f-e-a-t not f-e-e-t that is something very different on instagram <laughs> although i i need to get better at actually using instagram but maybe someday i will and if you want to like lay and wait for once i become active on instagram it's Creature Future Pod on uh, at uh, Instagram, um, and Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you? Thank you so much. I am on uh, social media. I have um, a personal uh, Twitter and Instagram, and we are. I suppose I should direct people more so to our podcasts, uh, <laughs> you know, social media presences, because that's more of what I use. I'm not a particularly interesting person on, on my own. Uh, but my podcast is so we have uh, you know on Instagram we're just the zoo of us pod uh, Twitter we're just just the zoo of us we have a discord server which is really really fun everybody in there is really really nice the Facebook group everybody's also super nice on there um, so just the zoo of us if you are an animal lover uh, I also have a, a brand new podcast that that Katie has has recorded with me the episode's not up yet I don't know if Take it out if you want to. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, that is, is kind of brand new, but it's all about all things weird, gross, creepy, strange, um, all the weird stuff that you don't normally get to uh, info dump about at your typical dinner table. Uh, but that one is not safe for work. That's not for kids. Um, adults only for that one. And that one is called Spellbound and Gag. That's also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So... Uh, come follow along if you like animals and weird science stuff. I think they probably do. So those are good recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> and tune in because Katie came on. Uh, Katie is going to be on an upcoming episode of Spellbound and Gagged about parasites. Nice. Really yeah. Cool. I think you'll like it. I enjoyed myself. So I think you will too. We had uh, a wonderful time. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the pod and you leave a rating or review, I deeply appreciate deeply deeply appreciate it um i read all of the reviews by the way and if you ask a question in the reviews i will actually include those in my uh listener questions episodes so i i appreciate that immensely and thanks so much to the space cossacks for their super awesome song exo lumina creature features a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts like the one you just heard visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or hey guess what Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, uh, even if you're a little bat pooping in a pitcher plant and you're listening to it on, like, the pitcher plant network, I that's great. That's good. I don't care. Uh, see you <laughs> next Wednesday. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.